you so much for your word. And I thank you for the testimony of great saints like Daniel Wright and others who have lived faithfully to you. I thank you that your word is filled with such testimonies. Now I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people today boldly and faithfully. And I pray that you'd open our hearts and our minds to your word, that we might embrace it and live it out. For we pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death than the day of birth. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of the mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better for a man to hear the rebuke of the wise than to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of of the fools. This also is vanity. Surely oppression, oppression drives the wise into madness, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Better is the end of a thing than its beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart of fools. Say not... Why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. Wisdom is good with an inheritance, an advantage to those who see the sun. For the protection of wisdom is like the protection of money, and the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the life of him who has it. Consider the work of God, who can make straight what he has made crooked. And then... The second Timothy, the fourth chapter, <clears throat> verses six, seven, and eight. Paul's writing here to his protege Timothy toward the end of his life, and he writes this For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. I remember years ago, when I was younger and I read this passage in Ecclesiastes, I thought at the time, I thought, that's absolutely crazy. It's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of, house of feasting. You know, it, it didn't make sense to me, I, I, and I wrestled with it a bit. <clears throat> but actually, the testimonies that we had today from the Wright family illustrate the truth of what Solomon was saying here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, it might seem kind of strange to be talking about the good life, And we've been talking about the goodness of God, and we've been talking this year so far about how to live the good life. And yet today here, we're talking about death. We're talking about uh, a funeral. We're talking about a thanksgiving for a life 
uh, that has ended. And that might seem confusing at first, but there is a fundamental principle that we always must remember if we want to live the life that is genuinely the good life. And that is, we must live our lives with the end in mind. We must always live our lives with the end in mind. How often does this happen that somebody gets caught up in partying, they get caught up in, in ease, they get caught up in making money, you know, that's what they want to do, they want to make money, uh, or they want to have as much pleasure as possible, uh, and they go from one thing to another, to another, to another, only to get to the end of their life, and they scratch their head, and they say, well, where did all the time go? What have I done with my life? And they look back, and all they've looked at is they've seen that they've made some other company uh, money, or maybe they've invented something, but they really wonder, okay, what, what is my life? What is the measure of my life? What is the value of my life? And so many people will come to the end of their life realizing that most of their life was wasted. That where they thought they were living the good life, they thought they were living the good life because they had pleasure, or they thought they were living the good life because they had possessions, or they thought they were living the good life because they were able to take a lot of holidays, uh, or they thought they were living the good life because they had a big house or uh, a big bank account uh, or a lot of friends uh, or one thing or another, and they thought they were living the good life, but then at the end of their life they realized that maybe they weren't living the good life at all. And so Solomon challenges us, if we want to live the good life, we must always live our lives with the end in mind. That's why he says it's better to go to the house of mourning than it is to the house of feasting. Because in the house of feasting, we can forget what it means to live. We can forget for a moment and enjoy ourselves and relax and, and let things down. But in the house of mourning, we're brought face to face with the reality that we all will experience that one day we all die. That one day we all will stand before God and give account for how we lived our lives. And so we need to give thought to the end. At the end of our lives, what do we want people to say? I always used to challenge people to think of uh, their epitaph. You know, what do they want people to write on their, on their tombstone? What would they like to be remembered? How would they like to be remembered? And live in the reality for how you would like to be remembered. And that's a good thing. It's nice to have a good name. As Solomon says here, a good name is better than precious ointment. And as we look at the end in mind, we also want to look at what it means to have a good name. What is our reputation? What will our reputation be? How will people remember us? These are important questions for us to ask. And when we begin to find the answer to these questions, they give us great wisdom in the choices that we need to make. They give us great wisdom into how we must invest our lives. Now, one of the big mistakes that we often make as people is that we often make make choices or have thoughts in these areas that whose outcomes depend on the input of other people. 
For example, if you say, well, I want to be remembered as, uh, as the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. Well, that might be fine for you if you're British, but for me, as an American living in, in England, that's beyond my possibilities. And even if you are British, you were born and raised in this country, so becoming the Prime Minister is a possibility. Actually, you becoming the Prime Minister depends on a whole lot of people. And you only get one vote in that process. And so you cannot determine if you'll be the Prime Minister. You cannot determine uh, if you'll be the leading politician. Well, then some people will say, well, you know, I, I want to be known for building a great business and, and, and maybe uh, breaking a billion dollars in income. Well, frankly, that might be kind of interesting, but building a great business depends on a lot of things. I mean, it does depend on whether or not you have an entrepreneurial spirit in part. But it also depends on, you know, what kind of business you want to build and, and whether or not the, 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 t the time is right for building that business. If you happen to live in the desert and you think, I want to build a business of helping people get sand for their houses, you know, you, your business probably is not going to be that successful. And so there's a lot of factors that come into play if you want to be known for, as, a, as someone for building a big business. So as you're thinking with the end in mind, and as you're thinking for the name that you would like to have, how you'd like to be remembered, we must think outside of those things that depend on other people to accomplish. Because you can't guarantee that. You can't guarantee that you'll be the best father of the best children that the world ever had. All you can do is be the best father you can be. You can't guarantee that uh, you're going to be preaching to tens of thousands of people. All you can do is seek to be the best preacher that you could possibly be. You can't guarantee that you'll be the best surgeon uh, that the world has ever seen or the richest person that the world has ever seen. All you can do is say, I'm going to conduct my affairs with, uh, affairs with integrity and I'm going to apply myself to my studies. So we always must remember that as we're thinking about this, as we go to the house of mourning, as we think about the end of our lives, to think, what can we do? What are the choices that we can make? How can we live our lives? And what kind of legacy can we strive to live so that on the day of our death, people will remember our good name and be able to give thanks for our lives. And this is really what Paul was doing. Notice here that Paul, toward the end of his life, wasn't saying, hey, you know, guys, I am the best of all the apostles that ever were. You know, I'm pretty confident that I will have written much more scripture than Peter. You know, Peter thought he was special because he was the rock. <laughs> well, I'm Paul. I'm better because I wrote more than he did. Uh, or I planted more churches. Or I opened up more territory. You know, Paul didn't look at those things. Even though earlier in his time when he's talking to people, he would talk about his reputation as a Pharisee of Pharisees, and, uh, and he would highlight that, he would highlight his education, he would highlight his training, he would highlight his studies. You notice he doesn't do that at the end of his life. 
He doesn't focus on that. You notice that Paul doesn't say, I have led 10 million people to Jesus. Or I have healed more people than anybody else. Or I've cast out 10,000 demons. uh, Or I have done these things. He doesn't look at those kinds of accomplishments in that standpoint. He also doesn't compare himself. He's not going around and saying, well, maybe I, I, only, I only led 10 people to Christ, but at least that's nine more than uh, my, my friend Bubba led to Christ. Uh, or he didn't say, you know, well, yeah, maybe I was a tent maker, uh, but I made better tents than everybody else. He doesn't look at those things. When you look at Paul and Paul talking to Timothy, what does he say? Well, you know, how is he reflecting on his life? He says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. I have fought the fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now, he didn't say, I have fought the fight that everybody else is fighting. He's saying, I fought the fight that I had to fight. I have done the thing. I have engaged in the struggles of my life. You know, we all go through struggles. We all go through serious times in our lives where we feel like everything is a fight. Everything is is a challenge. You know, there, there are times when I get tired of living in London. I get tired because it's hard to live in London. It's difficult to be here. Unless, of course, you're making a whole lot of money, uh, which, you know, not many of us were rich in this present world. Uh, you know, it's hard, it's tough, it's a challenge. And there, there are times when I think, well, you know, it was so much easier back then. But, you know, that's a real danger because remember what Solomon said there in chapter 7. He says, why, you know, don't ask why were the good days, why were the former days better than these? Because it's not wisdom that causes you to ask that question. <laughs> but it's, it's tiring. It is a battle. It is a struggle. Many people that I've encountered over the 16 years almost I've been in London have said to me, Rod, I am only here for five or ten years. I want to work. I want to make as much money as possible. And then I want to move outside of London. I want to get out of here. How many people have I talked to from other countries who said, well, I'm coming to London because I can make more as a dental hygienist. I can make more uh, as, you know, you list you know, your, your profession. I can make more here, but I don't want to stay here. I'm going to work here for five or ten years, and then I'm going to go back to my home country. Because it's difficult. We all have a fight. We all have a struggle. There is a fight that is put before us, and sometimes our fights will seem like they go on much longer than our rest periods. Sometimes our battles, our struggles, will seem like they just continue and they continue and they continue and they continue without letting up. But you know what Paul didn't say? He didn't say, I won the fight. He didn't say, I was the best at the fight. He simply said, I fought the fight. I fought the fight. And you know, winning is not up to you, but fighting is. 
And sometimes the best we do is just fight the fight and keep on fighting until our last breath. And you know something? Nobody can stop you from fighting the fight. Did you know that? Nobody can prevent you from fighting the fight. It's nobody's responsibility. Nobody has control over whether or not you fight the fight except for you. And God gives you the strength to do it because we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus, according to Peter in 2 Peter chapter 1. That's the first thing Paul says. Then Paul goes on and he says, the next thing I've done, I, I, have, I have run the race. We each have a race set before us. For some people it's like a big marathon. For other people it's like a sprint. We don't know how long the race is. We don't know when the finish line is going to come. All we know is that we just need to keep going. To keep on running the race. Never to quit. We all know the great story of the tortoise and the hare. And how the tortoise and the hare were were going to have a race. uh, And the hare started out, of course the hare was a lot faster than the tortoise. And he ran, he got so far in front of the tortoise, he decided to take a nap. And the tortoise just kept going. Slow and steady, slow and steady, slow and steady, slow and steady, slow and steady. And finally the hare was awakened when the tortoise crossed the finish line and everybody cheered his victory. And the hare lost because he stopped running the race. We all have a race to run and we run that race that is set before us. And the the encouragement there is to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, but keep running the race, keep running the race that is set before us. And nobody can keep you from running the race. Sometimes you don't feel like you're running. Sometimes you feel like you're crawling the race. And sometimes you feel like you run a little bit forward and then you stumble backwards a couple of steps. And you take a few more steps forward and you stumble backwards a couple of steps. But you can run the race that is set before you and nobody can stop you from running the race. And then Paul said, I have kept the faith. I have kept the faith. One of the most disheartening things that I deal with in my life is seeing people fall away from Jesus. Now, over the time, I've walked with Jesus now for 42 years. And over that time, I can't tell you the hundreds of people who have stopped walking with Jesus. I can't tell you the leaders that I've seen fall, some of whom I admired greatly. I can't tell you the Christians I've seen walk away from the church because it just got too tough. It wasn't interesting enough. Can't tell you the number of people that just quit uh, following Jesus, trying to keep, keep their lives pure because they just wanted other things so much and they were willing to sell themselves out. I can't tell you the number of times it's happened. And it's sad. It breaks my heart every single time. But you know, I've learned something very important over those years it's not my responsibility to help somebody else keep the faith. I can't do it. There have been some times when I've tried really hard. There have been times when I've gone after people and I've tried to drag them back into the kingdom, where I've tried to persuade them, uh, where, where I've done everything I could to keep them keeping the faith. And even when I've succeeded, I've failed. Because they always tend to go away in the end. 
And I've learned that I cannot keep the faith for somebody else. It's not my responsibility. I can point people to Jesus. I can encourage them to walk with Jesus. I can, I can be a shoulder that they will lean on or cry on as needed. And I will walk with people and I will love people to my dying breath. But I cannot persuade them. I cannot force them. I cannot take responsibility for keeping their faith. But I can keep mine. And I am determined that even if everybody else walks away from Jesus, I will follow him. Even if everybody else falls away, I will stand. Even if everybody else refuses to believe and denies him, I will not deny him. Even if they cut off my head, even if they take everything away from me they could possibly take, I will keep the faith. I will keep the faith by God's grace because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. I will keep the faith. And that's what we can do. That's where we can stand. And notice here then Paul says, looking at the end of his life, looking at what he can do, I have fought the fight, I have run the race, I have kept the faith. He didn't say that I kept it better than Peter. He didn't say I kept it better than James. He didn't say I kept it longer than anybody else. He said, I have kept the faith. What I had, that faith I have kept. And that declaration is something that every single one of us can make at the end of our life. And nobody can keep you from doing that. My wife can't keep me from fighting the fight, running the race, and keeping the faith. The church can't keep me from fighting the fight, running the race, keeping the faith. The government can't keep me from fighting the fight, running the race, keeping the faith. The United Reformed Church denomination can't keep me from fighting the fight, running the race, keeping the faith. There's nobody that can prevent me from doing this because I've got the Spirit of God who lives inside of me and I've got the grace of God on my life just like every single Christian here does. There is nobody that can keep you from fighting the fight, running the race, and keeping the faith. And going to the house of mourning reminds us that that is what is all important for us. And then there's an encouragement that we often forget here. Did you know this? You can have the same reward as the Apostle Paul. You know that. A lot of times we look up to Paul and we say, well, Paul is such a great leader. Do you know you can have the same reward that Billy Graham will have when he goes to be with Jesus? Even though Billy Graham's preached the gospel to more people than any other human being in history. Although there's some others catching up to him. Do you know you can have the same reward as you just list your favorite hero? Paul says, I've fought the fight, I've kept the faith, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Therefore, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. Do you know every single one of us has a crown of righteousness that is laid up for us? Doesn't matter if you run the race faster than somebody else. Doesn't matter if you keep the faith better than somebody else. It doesn't depend on anybody else. As long as you fight the fight, run the race, keep the faith, 
therefore is laid up for you the crown of righteousness, which you will be awarded on that day when you stand before Jesus. And that's my desire, and I hope that's your desire, to receive that crown of righteousness. So we can lead a good life. We can live the good life. But living the good life fundamentally is not about all those accomplishments, all those things that we think we want. Fundamentally, living the good life is to live as Paul did, to fight the fight, to run the race, to keep the faith, to live with the end in sight, to live with the understanding that one day there will be a finish line that we all will cross. And for those who fight, who, who fight the fight, who run the race, who keep the faith, there will be laid up for them a crown of righteousness. Now, if you're here today and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, today is the day to do it. We've heard the testimony about Daniel, about how he went before Jesus and said, Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for rising from the dead. I now ask you to forgive my sin and become the leader of my life and fill me with your Holy Spirit. That's the beginning of a journey. That's the beginning of the race. That's the beginning of keeping the faith. And that's the beginning of fighting the fight. If you've never done that, I encourage you to pray that prayer today even as we worship the Lord. Because my hope and my desire for all of us is that we will stand side by side by side by side by side on that day before Jesus. And that every single one of you will receive the crown of righteousness. Father God, thank you so much. Thank you that we can live the good life. And that the good life doesn't depend on all the outward circumstances and things that we often think it does. But I pray, Father God, today that you would show us what end we might have in mind. Show us the name that we would like to have at the end of our days. The legacy that we would like to leave. Father, I pray for each person here that you'd give them the courage to fight the fight that is before them right now no matter how difficult it might seem. And I pray, Father God, that you give each person here the energy to keep running the race, even though it feels like we're stumbling, even though it feels like we're barely setting one foot in front of the other, keep us running the race. And Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness to keep the faith, to protect the faith that you have given us, to protect the, the knowledge that Jesus Christ died on the cross and Jesus Christ rose from the dead and Jesus Christ is coming again. That we all might live for Jesus and serve Jesus and love Jesus all our days. Help us, O oh God, to keep the faith and to share the faith and to see the faith advance to this whole city. We love you, we worship you, and we adore you. And we thank you for the love that you've shown us 
through your Son, Jesus Christ. For we pray all this in his name. Amen.